welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is sujata sham from lux capital investment group welcome sujata thank you rama it's so great to be here Thank you. A little bit about Sujata. Sujata is a full-time active and passive real estate investor. Sujata has broad experience working with a wide range of debt and equity instruments including LIHTC syndications, HUD, FHA and conventional products. Her portfolio includes 210 doors as a passive investor, 7 short-term rentals and 3 long-term rentals. Sujata founded Lux Capital Investment Group. limited in 2020 to help provide access to high quality investments and real estate financial education to her network with that sujata would you like to add anything to your background thank you for that intro rama yeah i that pretty much sums it up i have a masters in business administration and a masters in public policy i fell in love with real estate when i was studying community development and i have just taken one step at a time my dad had rentals growing up so i had that exposure i bought my first fix and flip when i was in graduate school using my student loans and then i moved towards working as an underwriter for debt and equity investors but i always had this entrepreneurial streak that was not satisfied in me in that corporate environment and that's when i decided i needed to find my own way in real estate and i started out doing hospitality and then i moved towards real estate syndications which i had had experience in on the institutional side and just really focusing very strongly on recession resistant real estate right now so we're looking at self storage multifamily mobile home parks and currently working on an atm deal Awesome and thank you very much for sharing that and what is our reason switching towards multi family side So when I first became an entrepreneur I slowly grew this hospitality business one unit at a time and I was focusing on essentially Airbnbs or short term rentals so I grew that business one unit at a time and mm, that will always be my first business I will always love that business and I also knew that I wanted to diversify into something more recession resistant and that I wanted to scale my business more quickly and I knew that syndications were the route that I needed to take and so I just started getting more interested in the private space private equity space and looking at what folks were doing and listening to the podcast and connecting with folks going to events and determined that I wanted to focus on multifamily and that kind of transitioned into wanting to focus on recession resistant real estate and recession resistant investments in general because to me downside protection and protecting investor capital and growing your capital at a conservative but still very favorable rate is the best of both worlds when you're investing your own money cool thank you so you have broad experience working with different kinds of products like debt and equity side and lihtc syndications hard fha and conventional products would you share more about those Sure. So I kind of cut my teeth working for institutional investors in the low income housing tax credit space and in the HUD and FHA debt space. And those are very niche industries that are quite complex to navigate. Definitely requires a sort of long-term investment in specializing in, you know, those types of transactions because there's an application process and it's getting more and more competitive as more and more people enter the space. So I have at present opted not to pursue that route on the development side and I'm just focusing more on what I consider to be more favorable
role plays from an investor standpoint at this stage in my career, which are the recession-resistant asset classes such as self-storage, mobile home park, ATMs, multifamily, and senior housing. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. And so what are your focus markets and what is the reason? So I am currently focusing on operators more than I'm focusing on market. If I was to tell you markets that I have purchased properties in, so I have we've purchased self-storage in East Texas, and that's a growing market population and job. The economy is growing. And I've also purchased a property in Eastern Washington around Spokane. And we like that location because it's six miles from a brand new Amazon distribution center. And so there's going to be an increase in population, an increase in job that's already starting. I have purchased property in Florida and that's as a passive investor. It's in Melbourne and is, which is kind of a technology hub. So it has diversification from an employment standpoint. Of course, Florida is a place with a growing population and it's a very attractive place to own real estate. We're currently looking at purchasing ATMs in the mostly in the around along the New Jersey Turnpike. And that's kind of a different market than multifamily. So I won't focus on that, but just from a geographic perspective, we're focused there for ATMs. So, you know, the keys to focusing on a market is focusing on on places where the population is growing and where the economy is growing. And so typically that's where our deals are going to be located. Cool. And you mentioned like you're more focusing on operators. Would you elaborate on that that part? Sure. So I'm currently working on the part of my business where I'm bringing investors to the table. Uh, I am an active investor in a couple syndications. And at the same time, I prefer to focus on learning one aspect of the industry at a time. So I currently, I have background in underwriting deals. So I feel like I have the analysis part down. I'm currently focusing on raising capital. And so what I'm doing is I'm creating funds and the funds will are, we're doing a fund of fund structure. And so our investors will fund our fund and then we'll invest all that money in either one or multiple deals. And so when I'm focusing on the operators, it's like I'm looking for operators that I want to partner with that have a good track record, but also have, you know, aren't so big that they, you know, don't basically don't need us. So when I focus on an operator, I really want to see folks who have gone full cycle at least once, folks that I would could see myself working with for the next five to seven years and folks that are extremely focused on protecting investor capital while still delivering favorable returns. Cool. And you mentioned you're focusing on fund of funds, right? Would you elaborate more on that? Sure. Well, we're really make, trying to make sure that we have all of our legal, that we're doing everything the correct way from a legal standpoint. And so we have decided that the cleanest way to raise capital is through a fund of funds structure. And so usually that is what we're going to be doing. And so essentially allows you to gather investor capital. And sometimes you'll, if you have a, reach a certain threshold, like $500,000, then the folks that you're investing with will give you preferential treatment as a group. And so you can sometimes still offer your investors the same exact deal that they would get if they went directly to the operator. And then myself and my partners can take the delta. It doesn't always work out exactly like that, but that's one example of a way that the fund of fund structure can work. Okay, cool. And you have solid experience in underwriting side, right? So how do you approach during COVID or like uh, before COVID? What are the parameters you would consider and going forward also? 
Yeah, well, underwriting is, it is quite a time-consuming task if, when done correctly. And, you know, you got to be able to quickly analyze the deal and decide if you want to move forward with it. And then you also have to be able to sit with it and dig into the weeds and really make sure that you have a really strong grasp on the numbers and that you're not, you're not cutting corners with how much expenses you're allotting. So for example, I definitely want to see a 50% expense ratio on any multifamily deal. And, you know, it might be able to go down a little bit over time if you know that you have the strategy to take it down. And you got to be careful about your exit cap rate. So make sure that the exit cap rate is conservative, meaning you're going to increase the cap rate at sale. So you're imagining that the market that you're selling in is a worse market than the one that you're purchasing in. And that allows you to just make sure that you're conservatively projecting an exit. And another one that's important is uh, your rent growth and what kind of rent growth you're projecting. And so we don't want to buy deals that are dependent on rent growth. So we're focusing on forced, forced appreciation. So we want the rents to increase. Well, we first of all, we want to buy in places where the population is increasing and the jobs are increasing so that there will be rent growth, natural rent growth, but we're not going to count on that. We're going to count on forced appreciation. So improving the units, improving the common area, if it's self-storage, adding services, maybe cutting expenses, where possible. So if you know a place is not streamlined, then you can optimize the operations. And that's where you really need to have a very solid team on the ground. So there's just a, there's a lot to look at when underwriting. I just highlighted a few things right there. Yeah, cool. And thank you. So would you share any of your challenges you've faced so far in multifamily journey? Sure. Well, I mean, I think the most important thing, and I, I wouldn't say that this has been a challenge necessarily, but it's finding folks to work with that you really are excited to work with. I have been fortunate enough to find great partners this year, and they're part people that I'm super stoked to be working with, people that we bring different things to the table. And I really feel like that ultimately is a very important piece of the puzzle. You just can't do it alone. So at first it was a challenge, I think, because I was trying to just operate in a vacuum and I wasn't really getting out there and meeting folks. I was really just listening to podcasts and trying to learn this industry and trying to take action on my own, which was fine. But it wasn't until I started meeting people and you know joining a group and really networking and that things started to really take off. Okay, cool. So, and you have some experience in passive side. So what are the factors you would consider before investing in any deal as passive investor? Well, the first thing is you got to make sure that the sponsor, the operator that you're investing with passes your, you know, your gut check. You know, you want to make sure that you're essentially, no matter how much due diligence you do, you're still making a bet on an operator and you're still signing up for essentially a seven-year relationship with the operator. And so you really got to make sure that you like the operator and that you are going to be happy to be interfacing with them on some level for the next seven years. So that's really, I think, the most important thing. Of course, when you are evaluating an operator, you're going to be looking at their track record to some extent as well, making sure that they have at least enough experience to help you feel comfortable with them. And, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere. So this first deal that I did as an active investor, it was a bit of a leap of faith. So there is a place for that as well, but just got to remember that you're making a bet on folks. And so whether they're going to be your partners or whether they're going to be someone that you're investing in doing that sponsored gut check and really being careful who you get involved with. I think that's like the number one thing with passive investing. Of course, then there's all the technical stuff, like making sure that you like the market, making sure that you like the deal itself and that you feel like that it's conservatively 
projected. You'd much rather work with an operator who's under-promising and over-delivering than with an operator who's going to promise the moon and not be able to deliver. Okay, cool. So what do you do as a passive investor if deal does not go well? Well, thankfully, I have not yet been in that in those shoes. So my hope is I never make a mistake like that. But you know, mistakes are bound to happen. And I, I mean, if a deal did start to go sour, then you know, I would try to see if the it would be pretty dependent on the sponsor to help us understand what's going on with the property and what the options are for the property. And yeah, it's a bridge I have not crossed yet. Good. So would you share any of your best real estate experience so far? Yeah, well, this whole year has just been so awesome because I feel like I've in the multifamily space, I finally started my private equity career by being on the GP. First, I started being passive investor last year, and I've now invested in two passive deals, soon to be three, actually soon to be four. I'm an active investor in one deal. And with COVID, I, I we haven't really pulled the trigger on purchasing any other properties, but it's definitely still something that we're keeping an eye out for. And it's just been, I would say in terms of my experience, it's just been such a rush to make progress really quickly this year because I've been studying this space for a long time and haven't taken a ton of I haven't really have kind of taken my time sort of getting my feet wet but now it's once you start picking up momentum then you can really take off like a rocket ship and that's my my intention. Okay cool. So would you share any of your bad real estate investment experience so far? Yeah, I mean I would say I have had the experience where I was trying to perform due diligence with an operator and they were unwilling to really answer my questions that I had as part of my investor due diligence and I wanted to raise capital for this person and I had a relationship with them and I felt that it was it was quite a letdown to be treated the way that I was treated, you know, over email and kind of dismissed and told that that they wouldn't had no interest in answering my questions and it was just hard because I had invested in that relationship so that was difficult and you know I there's also sometimes you end up having to work with your teammates and you have to kind of navigate the challenges of working with the team because everyone operates a little bit differently and that's a really great thing because everybody has different strengths but people also have their differences and so you have to learn when to set things aside and how to work continue to push forward with while keeping a a positive team dynamic and still keeping things moving but also making sure that you know everyone's kind of needs are getting are getting met so just the the dynamics of working in a team is is always going to be something that requires some amount of focus in any group that you're working in cool and thank you thanks for sharing that so and what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now Yeah, so my current focus is raising these fund of funds and I currently am gearing up to release a deal that's an ATM investment and I when I first heard about investing in ATMs I wasn't interested but the more I learned about the space the more I realized what a great investment vehicle it is and some of the smartest people that I know are investing in this asset class and I'm super thrilled to be able to offer it to my investors. The reason why it's cool is because it's actually a different model. than most real estate syndications most real estate syndications you are purchasing an asset and you're adding value to it and the asset itself is appreciating and you sell it at the end for a big payout so you get some cash flow during the life of the deal but then you get a big payout at the end and with the ATM deal it's kind of the opposite because it's a depreciating asset so you don't get much at the end the deal is 7 years long but you get very high cash flow so 
23% paid out on a monthly basis year after year, which equals a 15 IRR. And so you get this very, very high cash flowing deal. And I love it because I think it's a fantastic balance to a other multifamily investments because other multifamily investments are going to have lower cash flow in the first years and your ATM deal can have high cash flow in the first years. So I'm really excited about it. It's very recession resistant. It's very, I consider it to be a the risk to be quite low compared to the re- anticipated rewards. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Would you get any kind of tax benefits similar to real estate with that ATM investments? Indeed, because ATMs actually depreciate on a five-year schedule. So you actually get more tax benefits doing ATM investing than you do doing your, doing real estate. Okay, cool. Good to know that. So any one advice that impacted you, Sujata? Yeah, I would say that someone once, I once, you know, listening to all of the different entrepreneurs, et cetera, out there, listening to the different podcasts, um, I think the most important piece of information, I've already kind of touched on this, is that real estate is a team sport. And so finding the team to work with, and, you know, you might work with different people over the course of your career, and that's cool too. It's great to try out working with different folks, but finding a team that you love to work with is probably the best advice is like, you just got to get out there and network and start working with people. Cool. Yeah. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Sure. So I've definitely read a lot of, of books. I will say that, you know, I'll say this one and then maybe I'll say another one. The little purple book that everyone reads, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was definitely a mindset shifting book. And I definitely recommend that if it, you're new to real estate investing to just start with that. And another book that I, I think I really has made a difference in my life is a book called Atomic Habits. And it's a book about habit stacking and how to become more effective at actually putting into place the routines and the habits in your day that you need to make you successful. Okay, cool. So how are you giving back to community? Uh, I donate financially to different organizations on a monthly basis. One of my favorite donations organizations that I donate to is kiva.org and it's a which is a microfinance organization that funds entrepreneurs with small business loans all around the world in developing countries and I love donating to them because I donate $25 a month and that money gets paid back and then it gets reinvested so over the course of my you know many years of donating with kiva the amount that I'm lending out just keeps growing and growing and I get to continue to serve more and more entrepreneurs the longer that I make these monthly investments. So that's one of the places I give back. Yeah. I also volunteer with a youth mountaineering organization here in Portland. And so I'm an advisor helping youth become better leaders and organizers and um, helping them learn, get exposure to the outdoors so we can take care of our wonderful planet. And I also am a, I work with a group called the Citizens Climate Lobby, and we are focusing on legislation to help combat climate change. It's a pretty powerful piece of legislation. And the organization that I work with is called Citizens Climate Lobby. Cool. Awesome. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. So how can listeners can connect with you, Sujata? Listeners can email me. My email is, I have to spell it out. It's S as in Sally, U-J-A-T as in Timothy A at lux-cap.com. That's L-U-X-E hyphen C-A-P as in Peter.com. And you can also just go to the website, check out the website. And I would love to hear from anybody, connect with anyone on, hear what they're up to, hear what you're working on, what you're excited on, any questions, and would love to hear from any of the listeners. Cool. And thank you, Sujata, and really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Rama. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, 
and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.